listener exclusive. G'day and welcome to Behind the Hits, the inside story on some of music's most iconic songs featuring stories from the artists who made them. I'm Brendan Anakin. In this episode, we're going to dive into some of the best from two of the best when it comes to capturing the sound of growing up in America in the 90s and early noughties. I'm talking about Good Charlotte and The Offspring. Between the years 1984 and 1994, The Offspring barely registered as more than a blip on the musical landscape. In the early 90s, mainstream radio was obsessed with the likes of R.E.M., The Counting Crows, Mariah Carey, Nirvana, Pearl Jam, so on and so forth. And although The Offspring had released a couple of albums and toured nationally during that time, the band were struggling to get recognition. But the early 90s was also a period of civil unrest in America, particularly in The Offspring's home state of California. Sparked by the police beating of Rodney King, the 1992 LA riots led to a massive surge in gang-related violence, both across the city and the outlying counties. Offspring lead singer Dexter Holland was there on the day of the riots, driving through East LA, which was gangland central. He says he felt compelled to write a song about the things that were happening right in front of him. Dexter picks up the story alongside the band's lead guitarist, Noodles. I live in the suburbs and I used to commute to downtown LA proper. And there's some some not great neighborhoods. And, and obviously I, I drove through neighborhoods that were very subject to gang violence every day, going, going there and coming home. I was looking at it every day. And uh, I kind of wanted to write a song about it, talking about how basically how about how nobody wins. Right. But uh, trying to put it in a way that would be, I don't know, not a bummer, I guess. And I, I thought of the line, you got to keep them separated. And I, I just sounded funny in kind of a right. ridiculous way, but like in a catchy way, because in, in a way it is, it's ridiculous. You have a kid who grows up on one block, a kid who's very similar, you know, in upbringing a block away but because they grew up on different blocks, they have to fight each other. You have to yeah. keep them keep them away from each other. Exactly. So, um, yeah. So that's where that that's where the the idea of the song came about, and then all of a sudden, bam! It just sort of took off. It really caught us by surprise. The song was the band's breakthrough hit in Australia, cracking the top ten and igniting sales of their third album, Smash, an album considered to be one of the most successful independent records of all time. But success can bring strange things out of the woodwork. In 1994, Californian punk rock band Agent Orange alleged that the two-bar Arabian guitar phrase and come out and play copied the guitar solo from their 1979 song, Bloodstains. Dexter Holland had actually referenced that one as one of the songs that sparked his interest in punk rock, which is why the publisher of Bloodstains was seeking a one-cent royalty from every copy of the Smash album sold. With album sales over 6 million worldwide at the time, that would have amounted to the tidy sum of 60 grand. But in the end, a lawsuit was never filed. Smash was the offspring's introduction to worldwide popularity. Pretty soon, they were signed to major label Columbia Records, with whom they'd released their next seven records, including 1996's Ixnay on the Hombre, which sold 3 million copies, and 1998's Americana, which sold over 10 million copies. But despite the band's explosion in popularity, it didn't change Dexter Holland's approach to writing songs about the stuff that mattered most. You, you got to approach it from the point that you love music, you're writing something that's meaningful to you or meaningful to your, your, the people in your surroundings. When you start looking at it from the other point of view is how can I write something that the masses are going to respond to? It's just the wrong way to look at it. And um, 
ultimately you gotta you gotta do what feels good to you what feels right because if you if you don't go with your gut then you're truly lost and you're second guessing what you think other people are gonna like somehow whatever we did connected although I, I you know I didn't realize it would Americana generated four hit singles the biggest being pretty fly for a white guy the track starts with a sample of a German nonsense phrase taken from this 1983 Def Leppard song, Rock of Ages. Dexter and Noodles pick up the story behind the inspiration for the rest of the song. I was going to Starbucks to, to get a coffee one day, and, and our Starbucks are contained in, in, a, in a, we call them a mini mall or a strip mall, where the word right. strip came from, right? In, in, uh, and I live, like I said, sort of in the suburbs. And, and I just saw this guy, just, you know, a regular white suburban kid, and he was dressed super ghetto and the sideways hat and the baggy and the jersey and all that right. and it was just so obviously not him right that, yeah, yeah so that, i mean of course you pass people when you're driving all the time but he was really out there enough that i took notice and i actually just said to myself out loud without even thinking about it in the car i said well that kid's pretty flat for a white guy and then it was like you know, the light bulb went off and ding 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 right. ding like Oh, right. And it kind of reminded me that it was kind of almost a phenomenon at the time, in a way. It was so kind of out there, this sort of, I don't know, what we might call cultural misappropriation now. I don't know. But uh, I was taking the piss out of it rather than trying to make a real social statement. So I, I just wrote this song because that's what I saw in my small little world outside of L.A. I had no idea how much it was really going on everywhere because the song came yeah. out. And all of a sudden we're playing Italy and some guy in Italy says, oh my gosh, I know a guy just like that. And it yep, ended up being Germany, a, yep. it was a real thing. And that's, uh, that's where that song came from. By 2003, The Offspring had released their seventh studio record, Splinter. And by that time, Dexter Holland had his songwriting approach down to a fine art. Well, I write the music first and the words last. Besides that, I, I don't know. I almost think of songs, the good ones anyway, of kind of writing themselves. There's, You'll have a certain part and then... It's almost like he, a certain part kind of dictates itself that it needs to be there. Maybe the maybe the bass has to be by itself for a, a minute, or maybe the drums have to be up by themselves, or maybe it needs to go up or down. But I kind of think of songs as kind of writing themselves. I, I write some of the best stuff when I'm when I just gotten up in the morning and had a couple cups of coffee and I'm kind of amped and feeling good, and get in the car and drive somewhere and make up stuff. But that's more the energetic stuff. But um, that's another thing that that I, I want us to be able to do. Though is a lot of bands kind of. Have a, are known for doing a certain kind of song. They're either an angry band or a, a happy band or whatever. And we do stuff that's all over the spectrum. And I, I think because I'm not always happy and I'm not always sad, that I don't see any reason why our songs shouldn't be like that too. The songs of The Offspring are well known for being catchy and easy to sing along to. And the third single from the Splinter album was a great example of that. The song focused heavily on drums, acoustic sounding guitars, and the observation of a friend. Here's Dexter and Noodles to pick up the story. This is a guy I used to go surfing with. And he was going out with his girl and he, he was telling me about his girlfriend troubles. And he said, you know, I, I was at a party with my girlfriend and I found out she cheated on, on me. And uh, didn't she cheat on him at the party? I think so. It was. <laughs> and so someone told on her. Right. Yeah. And he's like, what? And uh, he goes, yeah, she cheated on you. And he's so upset. You'd think the guy would try to console him. But he goes. Yeah, twice. <laughs> he had he made it worse by saying it was twice. And then he goes, you think that was bad enough? Then he goes, and they didn't change the rubber. <laughs> just oh. <laughs> so it was just like a, a triple whammy, this poor guy. Yeah. And I thought, wow, okay, you can, in my mind, he didn't say this. I go, Jesus Christ, spare me the details. Me the I don't details. need to know all the yeah. nitty gritty. And it was just such an outrageous story that I thought, okay, that's where, that's the phrase. I got to write a song about that. 
Between 2003 and 2021, The Offspring released just three albums, the latest being Let the Bad Times Roll, which shows that Dexter and Noodles are still capable of writing catchy songs about the things that matter most to them. Obviously, you know, it's been tough the last couple of years, and uh, we felt like, you know, how could we write an album without talking about where things are, are in the world? So, I mean, there's definitely some anger and some rage and some rebellion in the lyrics, but I think it also kind of takes a turn of the chorus and it, and it kind of becomes almost um, yeah, sure, sarcastic. Exactly. Sure, we're going to hell, but let's have some fun with let's it. Have some, let's have let's some have fun some with fun. it. I mean, yeah. it, it's a serious message that has a, a, a light tone to it and, and, and reminds you that you got to roll with the punches. So anyway, that's what Let the Bad Times Roll is all about. It is kind of a commiseration. It, you know, this this sucks, but we're all going to get through it. Let's uh, Let's help each other do that. You're listening to Behind the Hits and still to come, the story of twin brothers who became the champions of the kids who were picked last in gym class, called freaks, and never got a date to no school dance. In 1996, in the US city of Waldorf, Maryland, twin brothers Benji and Joel Madden hatched an idea to form a band, an idea which came to them after checking out a Beastie Boys live show. Despite still being at school and despite never having played an instrument before, which, yes, on the surface, seemed like major issues, at that moment, the seeds were sown for the band that would eventually become known as Good Charlotte. Um, Good Charlotte is the name of a book. I was 15 when I named, when when we named the band. Benj and I named the band. And No, know, go ahead. Take all the credit. It's fine. Um, well, then, all right, I will. He writes all the songs, The truth too. is, I do write all the songs, and I am the, the, uh, the brains behind this band. Anyways, uh, this being Joel right here speaking... Um, we named the band Good Charlotte after a book, but we were 15, and, and now, you know, it doesn't have a whole lot of special meaning, but it definitely has stuck and grown Not special us, to so. you, insensitive bastard. Special to me. Benji and Joel found they had a unique way of harmonising with each other in their music, and they wrote lyrics that seemed to connect with kids who, like them, had been bullied at school. The band's first album, simply titled Good Charlotte, was released in September 2000, and the first single was a track called Little Things. It was a song for all the teens who struggled to fit in with the cool kids at high school. I mean, that's the hardest time of your life. That's when kids are the meanest, you know? I mean, there's like 15 kids that are that, that are the cool kids, and they make everyone else's life hell. And then you, you come out of that, you know, I, I'm like way over it, but the songs that we wrote about it, I wrote at a time when I wasn't over it, when I was like, you know, still pissed off about it or still like you know, resenting those people. And now I'm like, I could see those people and I would just be like, hey, what's up, you know? In America, you know, your your whole life for four years is going to school, you know? And, and it's well, 12 all, years, really. And a lot of it's all about the clothes you're wearing or the what you do or if you play sports or it's like defines how cool you are or how this or that you are in school, like your status. And it makes it hard for 99% of the kids because 99% of the kids aren't cool and they don't, aren't good at sports and they don't have the right clothes and they don't have all the right things to make them cool and that 1% of kids that make everyone else's life hell you know it's just like that's the way it is you know so but then I, I don't think kids realize and that that's just where all the violence comes in like especially in the United States they don't realize that those four years are going to be over and that they'll move on you know and that life I didn't know, like, you know yeah like at the time it's so big it's so it's like your whole life and then you know, you don't realize that, wow, it's going to be over and it's not even going to matter. And then kids do, you know, kids commit suicide, kids commit acts of violence. And like, if they would just realize, you know, and we're, we're, that's sort of like what we're doing with little things and like sort of some of our songs. We're trying to sort of tell those kids, hey, like, uh, especially like the Motivation Proclamation and little things like festival, um, song. festival song too. Like, we're just like, hey, four years is going to be over and then everything's going to be all right, you know, like. And then you'll move on and like, you know, you'll be, you'll, 
be pissed off at those people, but in five years, you won't even remember their name. Little Things was a good introduction to the band and what they're all about, but it never quite delivered the kind of chart success they were after. That success would come with the band's second album and its lead single. Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous appeared on the band's 2002 album, The Young and the Hopeless. The song was one of the last to be finished for the album and took Benji and Joel just 10 minutes to write. The brothers never thought the song was anything special, yet that song was what broke the band across the world. The song touches on celebrities who don't appreciate how lucky they are to have fame and fortune. The lyrics refer to a number of celebs, including OJ Simpson's lawyer, Johnny Cochran, as well as Marion Barry, a former mayor of Washington DC who was convicted of drugs charges. For Joel and Benji, the song was all about their observations of celebrity lifestyles, as opposed to their personal experience of it. We've been around it a lot. We've been around a lot of famous people, and uh, we've just kind of made our own commentary on it, you know, like what we've seen and how we're kind of tired of hearing people complain. I mean, everyone's got a right to complain so-so, but sometimes famous people get away with things I, that they I, shouldn't. I think we just, we meet bands, we hang out with bands and actors, actresses, musicians, models, singers, models, porn like, stars. Yeah, we hang out with these people and we hear them complain about their lives and all their problems. And, and then I think back to, to when we were coming up and I and I I sort of think we're speaking for all the, the, the people that were what we were, the, like sort of like we're a working class band and we're sort of trying to speak for all the kids that have bands and all the kids that are trying to make it and all the people trying to make it out there. They would trade like, it off. They would give anything for a shot and they wouldn't complain about it. So it's like, you know what I mean? And I still feel that way, you know? Like, it's not going to last forever, so I just feel lucky that I even got to experience any of it, and I'm not going to complain about it. You're listening to Behind the Hits, taking you on a journey inside some of the songs of Good Charlotte. Keep Your Hands Off My Girl appeared on Good Charlotte's fourth studio album, Morning Revival, an album that took the band a year and a half to write and saw Joel and Benji move away from the high school corridors and take on life in the clubs, in their own kind of sarcastic way. The move represented not only personal growth for the Madden brothers, but also a significant change in musical direction for the band. Every song is a little different, you know, and every and as you grow, you grow through different stages of your life and you write from different places, you know. And um, I think, you know, for us, um, one of the things we try to do is just we try to just write about how we feel because we feel that if we're genuine about it, if we feel we feel if we're genuine about you know, the things that we're saying that someone out there is going to is going to be able to feel it, you know, because um, if, if we write about our experience and our truth and how we feel, then we feel that there's going to be people out there who can appreciate it because we're human, just like, you know, all, all of us. We, we all have so many universal feelings of love and discouragement or, you know, excitement, whatever it is. Written by Benji and Joel with some help from producer Don Gilmore, the demo of Keep Your Hands Off My Girl didn't instantly connect with the rest of the band. Here's bass player Paul Thomas. First time I heard it, what the hell is Joel talking about? But the music's rocking. So, like, you know, I don't know, it was, uh, it's a very interesting track because it, you know, it's a definitely a big musical switch from you know, where, we, uh, where we've been on the previous albums. And of course, like just hearing the bass line, I like, I loved it. And, um, you know, Benji originally wrote that bass line. And it was like, dude, this is rocking. And I loved the first time I got to play it and hearing the way Don did the production on it and just like how it all came together in the end. It's very energetic, awesome song. And to, to hear how it started off and how it ended was really cool too, because it was like, the only thing that stayed kind of true to the demo was uh, the bass line and the drums. You know, everything else was just like played around with. 
Like with The Offspring, the songs of Good Charlotte are based simply on the band's observations of life and writing about how they feel. And it's that knack they have of turning those observations and feelings into hit songs that's earned them a legion of fans who relate to their songs worldwide. I think like if you go back to some of the classic Good Charlotte songs like Girls and Boys and Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous and the Anthem and you know even, even songs like I Don't Want to Be in Love or the later stuff, we always have drawn our biggest inspiration from looking around at the world and writing about how we feel because we feel like... If we if we if we just write about how we feel, that's going to resonate with someone else out there because we feel that you know that we're not alone in in what we think and feel, and that if we find something funny or we find something inspiring, someone else probably will too. I'm Brendan Anakin, and you've been listening to Behind the Hits. This episode was written by Digby Gillings and Dave Carter. Audio production by Mike Santos, produced by Dave Carter. Listener.